Friends, it's good to be back with you in Bible study. Hope you had a wonderful summer. I really enjoy the times that we share when we together seriously study the Word of God. And I'm so grateful for this time together. We will begin with podcasts this year, but our Bible study is always on podcast. I hope that we can add an in-person gathering uh, later, uh, perhaps after the beginning of the new year. But thank you for your commitment. What we'll be studying this year uh, through next spring is Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth. We call it 1 Corinthians. Uh, We actually know from the letter itself that there was a prior letter that we do not have. Uh, There probably were several examples of correspondence between Paul and the church that he founded there in Corinth. But this 1 Corinthians is a remarkable letter that we have from the Apostle Paul. Uh, It's 16 chapters. It probably is the best example we have of life in a first century Christian community. This letter deals with a lot of issues that are still hot-button issues today. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is answering issues that he has heard about from the church at Corinth. After Paul established the church in Corinth, which, by the way, you can read about in Acts chapter 18, he left and he went to Ephesus, and while he was in Ephesus, uh, he heard about some of the situations in Corinth, and he wrote this letter back to them to address some of the situations. Uh, Much of Paul's correspondence is what we call occasional letters. That means that they were written for particular occasions. Uh, 1 Corinthians is Paul's answer to some questions and some situations from Corinth. So in a sense, we're listening, listening to half of the telephone conversation but we can hear enough of this part of the telephone conversation to imagine what the other half of the telephone conversation would have been about. In 1 Corinthians, this remarkable letter, uh, we will hear Paul talking about divisions in the church. He will be talking about cliques in the church. He'll be talking about sexual immorality. Uh, These were mostly pagans who came to faith in Christ, and they brought a lot of their pagan Uh, ideas concerning sexual morality with them, and uh, Paul had to give them a lot of guidance upon the sexual morality that is incumbent upon Jewish and Christian believers. Uh, He talked about lawsuits between believers. He did not like that idea, and evidently it was happening there in the Corinthian church. Uh, In chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, there's an extended discussion from Paul about marriage and, and singleness. He also talks about food that's been offered to idols and whether or not Christians can or should eat that meat, food offered to idols. It was some of the cheapest food they could find there in Corinth, but it had been offered to idols, so he had to address whether or not it was right or wrong for Christians uh, to eat that food offered to idols. He talks a lot about uh, just basic anti-idolatry, uh, Here in the letter, because most of these people that came to faith in Corinth were Gentiles coming out of a pagan setting. So uh, he had to pull them away from their polytheistic world into just a a strict strict conviction and strict faith uh, in the one true God, the God of the people of Israel. He talks a lot about proper worship. 
uh, here in 1 Corinthians. He talks about women, women's roles in worship, women's roles in the church there in Corinth. He talks about spiritual gifts in the church in Corinth, uh, including the gift of tongues. There's a rather extensive conversation here in 1 Corinthians about prophecy and the gifts of tongues, uh, the gift of tongues. He also talks about uh, the resurrection of Jesus and our resurrection uh, because of who Jesus is and because of being in Christ. It's the most extended discussion of the resurrection life, the resurrection body that we find in the New Testament. And then he wraps up in chapter 16 with some closing remarks, including conversation about a collection that he's taking to aid the poor back in Jerusalem. So a lot of issues going on in the Corinthian church that Paul uh, feels led to address, and I think we'll find the addressing of these issues uh, very apropos for our culture today. Again, a lot of hot-button issues. If I were to summarize the way I see the church at Corinth, the church that, that Paul established there in Corinth, uh, I, would, I, I would characterize it this way. Uh, they were a very gifted congregation. They had uh, all the gifts of the Spirit in operation. The word for gifts, and this is an important word here in 1 Corinthians, is charismata, is uh, the Greek word that we use to create the English word charismatic. So these charismatic, these gifts of the Spirit, were very much in operation uh, here in the church in Corinth. But the problem was, even though they very much were gifted with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they seemed to lack some of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, uh, particularly the fruit of love. That's why here in 1 Corinthians, besides um, the long, extensive conversation about the resurrection of the body, which is a very famous part of the text, uh, we also find that very famous hymn to love in chapter 13. So there'll be parts of 1 Corinthians that will sound very familiar to you. There'll, there'll be parts of 1 Corinthians, I'm sure, that will be very, very new to you and we'll have to somehow bridge the cultural historical gap between our age and our world and the first century world and the church there in Corinth. So I want to go ahead and begin with the text. Uh, today, I just want to go from chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, because chapter 1, verses 1 through 9 really are where we find Paul's introductory remarks uh, in this epistle or letter to the church at Corinth, and this will be a good place for us to introduce ourselves to this letter. So let's, let's dig in. Chapter 1, verse 1. It starts with Paul saying, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and our brother Sosthenes. Uh, the Greeks had a really smart way of writing letters. They told you up front from whom the letter was coming. Uh, in, in the modern world, we tend to sign our name at the end of the letter. And sometimes you have to look at the end of the letter to know uh, who it is that's writing you. But in the Greek world, you started out by uh, declaring your authorship of the letter. So you notice this letter is written by Paul. It is one of the so-called undisputed letters of Paul. Uh, some of the letters of Paul in the New Testament, some scholars think maybe came not from Paul himself, but came from a Pauline school later than Paul. Uh, we can talk some more about that later. But 1 Corinthians is one of the undisputed letters of Paul. It's almost universally accepted to be from Paul. But one of the things you have to understand about Paul the letter writer 
is that Paul always used a secretary when he was writing letters. We have multiple examples of evidence of the fact he used secretaries when he was writing. And he frequently used co-authors. And that's why I think you find uh, a great deal of um, variety and difference sometimes between the letters of Paul uh, because of uh, who his secretary was and because of who he perhaps was using as a co-author. Here in the letter of 1 Corinthians, you see that his co-author is Sosthenes. He tells you that up front. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. So here's Paul, and you see here in the beginning he is an apostle. That means one who is sent, specifically one who is sent by Christ. He is an apostle uh, to the Gentiles primarily. That's another title we associate with Paul the apostle. He, he is sent to the non-Jewish world uh, to uh, bring this Jewish Messiah, Jesus, who came in fulfillment of the Jewish scriptures, um, in fulfillment of the Jewish prophecies to the world. So Paul lived and died a devout Jew. He did not know he was founding a new religion. He did not find, found a new religion. He, um, he, like many other Jews throughout history, he, he found a new way of being Jewish. Uh, he became a Jewish follower of Yeshua HaMashiach, of, of Jesus the Messiah. Uh, the word Christ in Greek is the same as Messiah or Mashiach in Hebrew. So uh, he's, he's, he's going to the Gentiles primarily. He's going to the Gentiles to teach them about um, this Jewish Messiah and offer them this Jewish Messiah. Um, he is offering them a way of being Jewish that allows them to be people of the nations. One of the things I believe that is critical and crucial to understanding Paul that's behind all of Paul's ministry as the apostle to the Gentiles is he thinks he is participating in biblical prophecy by taking this Jewish Messiah to the world, to the nations, the ethne, to the nations, and there, thereby fulfilling the prophecies that we find in the Hebrew Bible, particularly in places such as Isaiah, that there would come a time when the nations would come to the God of Israel. And Paul here is helping the nations come to the God of Israel by coming to faith in uh, uh, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Jewish Messiah. And uh, he, is, he is bringing about this new age where God is doing this new thing of grafting Gentiles onto the Jewish vine. And we'll have a lot of opportunities to talk about this. But uh, sometimes we, we read Paul in very much Christian, even very much Protestant understanding. And we forget that he lived and he died a Jew. And he would have been shocked if you'd have called him anything Else, He was raised in the Jewish faith. He was born outside of the homeland. He was born in Tarsus, raised uh, in the Greco-Roman culture of that day and the Jewish culture of that day. He spent time in Jerusalem studying at the feet of the famous rabbi Gamaliel. We, we learned that from the book of Acts. So he was the perfect person to stand between the Gentile and the Jewish world. Uh, you've got Jews, and then you've got Gentiles or pagans in the ancient world, and he's bridging the gap between the Jews and the Gentiles by helping the Gentile world come to faith in the God of Israel through the Messiah of the God of Israel, Jesus. Uh, we'll have a lot of opportunity to get to know this Paul the Apostle very, very closely 
as we study 1 Corinthians. So he's writing this letter along with Sosthenes. We don't know a lot about Sosthenes. Um, he's, he's mentioned here and in the book of Acts in the New Testament. But when you go to the book of Acts, chapter 18, I encourage you to do that for homework. You see where Paul established the church in Corinth in the book of Acts, chapter 18. And you'll see that at one point, Paul is brought before Gallio, who is the, the Roman ruler there in Corinth when Paul went and spent time in Corinth. Paul spent um, in excess of two years in Corinth. He was there for quite a while. So at one point, there's disturbance, as happened frequently with Paul, and he's brought before the, the Roman government. And there in Corinth, it was Gallio. Gallio was a brother to the famous Seneca, the Stoic philosopher of the ancient world. And we know exactly when Gallio uh, was the ruler there in Corinth. And that's why we can date Paul's tenure in Corinth to the middle 50s of the first century, about 20 years after the crucifixion of Jesus. But we see in Acts chapter 18 that uh, when Paul is brought before uh, Gallio, the ruler there in Corinth, uh, he's, he's, he's freed. Gallio doesn't want, get, want to get involved in a Jewish religious squabble, but there's a disturbance, and the text tells us that one named Sosthenes, is, uh, is, uh, who is a ruler of the synagogue there in um, Corinth, was beaten there by some of the mob. So we think that this Sosthenes that's helping Paul to... Uh, co-author of this letter is also perhaps the Sosthenes that was a ruler of the synagogue that Paul came to know when he was there in Corinth. So here is Paul, an apostle, writing to the church in Corinth. Verse 2, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's his greeting to the people that will receive this letter there in the early Christian community in Corinth. Uh, he's writing, he says, to the church, ecclesia, to the congregation, the gathering there in Corinth. Let me say a few more words about the, the city of Corinth. It was the major city in uh, Greece in Paul's time. It had uh, eclipsed uh, Athens as the major city in Greece. Athens uh, was not in its glory days in Paul's time. Uh, the glory days of Athens were two, three, four hundred years before the time of Paul. But Corinth was very much in its glory days. Uh, it was an older city but had been destroyed and had been rebuilt as a Roman colony by Julius Caesar. Uh, it sat on the isthmus. It sat on the little piece of land that held the mainland of Greece from the Peloponnesian Peninsula. It's a little small piece of land and you either had to carry a boat across the Dicolos, the road there through Corinth. You could take your boat out of the water in, um, in, in the ocean, in the uh, Adriatic Sea, and, and carry it across the water and, and get back in the Mediterranean to keep you from having to go all the way around the Peloponnesian 
Peninsula. Now, if you go there, go to Corinth, it's a great place to visit. You'll see a canal there that will allow at least small boats to, to, to go through that little piece of land, not have to go all the way around the Peloponnesus. But as a result of that location, Corinth was very much a port city. Uh, that's why I think Paul went there. He, he went to the Jewish community first, and he stayed put, and he, he, he was in ministry there for two, two and a half years at least. Uh, and because he was there in Corinth, he could stay put, and the whole world would pass before Paul there in Corinth. It was very much a cosmopolitan port city, and uh, it... it as a result of being a cosmopolitan port city, it had a lot of the problems that cosmopolitan port cities have. There is a Greek word that if we transliterate it and translate it into English, it is the word to Corinthianize. And that was a term in Paul's day, and it meant to live in a sexually immoral way. Uh, specifically, it meant to visit a prostitute. So to Corinthianize tells you something about the city of Corinth. Uh, there were uh, many, there were like 12 temples to pagan gods. The major temple was on the hill behind the city of Corinth, the Acro Corinth, and there was a, a temple to Aphrodite, uh, the goddess of love. And uh, we have evidence in uh, other authors, pagan authors, that as many as a thousand temple prostitutes uh, would, would, would be um, helping people worship Aphrodite there in the temple, and I'll just leave it at that. But you get the image of the city of Corinth, and when you read through the whole 1 Corinthians, you'll see uh, the, the, the issues that being that cosmopolitan port pagan town or city uh, created. And Paul had to help these new Christians learn how to live in a Christian way. Uh, we don't have any delete buttons on us. So when someone comes out of the pagan world into a life of, of faith in Christ, there's no delete button to get rid of all the baggage. And after they came to faith in Christ, Paul had his job cut out for him to help them learn to, to live in this, this way of being Jewish, uh, this way of embracing Christ and embracing Ten Commandments, embracing Jewish sexual morality. And Paul had to work with these people. You'll see all of that in First. Corinthians. So Corinth was an exciting place. Gordon Fee is probably one of my favorite New Testament commentators on 1 Corinthians. At one point in his massive commentary on 1 Corinthians, he says that Corinth was the New York City, Los Angeles, and Las Vegas of the ancient world. All of those modern cities wrapped up to one there, in one there in the ancient world. So that tells you something about Corinth. It was a happening place. In a lot of ways, Paul established a church there. He went first, you read it in the book of Acts, he went first to the Jewish community. That was always his practice. If there was a Jewish community present, he went first to the Jewish community. And um, usually things would not go so well there. At some point, uh, the Jews would not like his new version of Judaism. Uh, embracing Jesus as the Messiah, and there would be some sort of disruption. And then he would have to move beyond the Jewish community, but that would help him fulfill his calling to the Gentile worlds. And for those of us that are Gentile, we're grateful for Paul's ministry to the Gentile world. So uh, that's Paul. We're here in Corinth. He's addressing the church, uh, those people that are called to be saints, according to Paul here. The word saint, hagios, 
doesn't mean necessarily that you are a person of high ethical standards. Hopefully you are. But the word saint literally just means, hagios, you're set apart. You are set apart from the rest of the world. You now belong to Jesus Christ. So he's writing this letter to the, to the church there in Corinth, those who are called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, depending on how you translate the Greek there, that could be taken as a reference to two groups, the saints and those who are, uh, who are in every place who call upon the name of the Lord. I think Paul is implying there that they're one and the same. And then um, he references that uh, this church, they, they both uh, follow the Lord just as he, Paul, follows the Lord. Uh, and then there's that final greeting, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the typical Pauline greeting. Notice how he does it, and he's consistent with this. Grace to you and peace. He talks first about grace, then he talks to, about peace. Grace really was the, the Greek way, Greco-Roman way of greeting. Charis would have been the, the Greek word. That was a greeting in the angel world, charis. You'd greet one another that way. So he starts out with grace, and that word means a lot more than just a greeting in the Christian tradition. So he starts out with grace to you and peace. He always starts with grace and then follows it with peace. I think um, if you were to ask Paul, he would say one of the reasons he's doing that, besides both speaking to the Greek word charis and peace or shalom, it's the Greek word arene, but behind it would be the Hebrew word shalom, besides linking together Gentiles, charis, grace, and the Jews, shalom, arene, peace. He's also making you understand that you have to receive the grace before peace is an option. He really never says peace and then grace. He always says grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Paul's typical greeting. And then here in this typical first century uh, Greek letter, uh, after he's given the greeting, we've heard that, he goes into a thanksgiving. So we'll wrap up by looking at the thanksgiving here in 1 Corinthians, verses 4 through 9. Here's how Paul expresses his thanksgiving for the church there in Corinth. He says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace, the charis of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, just a couple things here. Um, probably a good point to talk a little bit about grace. We use that word a lot in the Christian community, and it's a rich word. It, it, it really can't be translated in one word. Caris can't be translated in one English word, even though we do that with the English word grace. Uh, if I were to define grace, this grace that we say is amazing, I would say it was the God. It was is God's gift of God's self to us, God's gift of God's empowering presence in our life. That of course means the the work of Christ, the pardoning of our sins, the forgiveness of this hours in Jesus Christ, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the complete package, the gift of God's self to us, God's empowering presence given to us, which is why Paul can say, as soon as he mentions grace uh, here, he says, this grace has enriched you in, in every way. 
Uh, you've been enriched in all speech and in all knowledge. So the grace of Christ does more than just forgive us of our sins. The grace of Christ enriches us. It is God's gift of God's Spirit, His empowering presence to us. And uh, Paul is saying that he knows that this grace has been bestowed upon this early community in Corinth. It probably very much was like what the New Testament scholar, Luke Timothy Johnson, one time said, that if you were to be around the early Christian community, these communities that Paul established or visited, it was almost as if there was a, a force field around them. There was just a power around them. There was signs and wonders around them. And that would be God's grace operating, God's empowering presence operating in their lives in so many different ways. So you've heard grace referenced here, and uh, you've heard that a reference here at the end of verse 7 to the, to, to the waiting that they are living in for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, apocalypsis. Uh, the revealing, the the revealing of Christ that's coming at the end of the age. The revealing of Christ uh, that's coming when Christ returns. What we call the second coming, uh, when Christ comes to complete His work. So He's uh, giving thanks to these Corinthians for these Corinthians because of the way they've received grace because of the way they've been enriched by grace, and because of the way that they're using this grace uh, to, to, to wait in this period uh, before the second coming of Christ. That's the whole age of the church. The last days, the last days in the New Testament begin with the first coming of Christ and end with the second coming of Christ. So he commends them for the gifts that they are receiving and displaying as they wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, there in verse 7 is the word gift again, charismata. We're going to have a lot of opportunity to talk about these spiritual gifts. Uh, obviously, this was a gifted congregation. The gifts of the Spirit were much in operation in this congregation. And that, that operation of the gifts, perhaps with a lack of the fruit of the Spirit, love, uh, elicits a lot of Paul's responses in this letter. So we'll have a lot of opportunity to talk about that. So as soon as he mentions the second coming, uh, the revealing of Christ uh, at the end of the age, in verse 7, in verse 8 he says, uh, this Christ who will sustain you to the end. And again, that's part of what grace does. Who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Paul wants to make sure that we are presented blameless to Christ when he returns. So he sees that working here in the lives of the Corinthians. And then he says in verse 9, a great statement, just simply, God is faithful. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Like Paul will say elsewhere, uh, the one who has called you is faithful. He who has begun a good work in you will bring that good work to completion. As we rely on the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and uh, stay close to Jesus Christ, we will be allowing that Spirit to complete the work that the Spirit has begun in us. 
And that's probably enough for our first session together. Uh, that's the greeting and the thanksgiving. Uh, when we return to the next session next week, you, you will see that Paul begins to talk about the issues. In verse 10 of chapter 1, he starts talking about the divisions in the church. And that's a big issue here in 1 Corinthians. So again, I want to thank you for um, rejoining us for this Bible study. Uh, I'm, I'm so grateful you're doing this. I hope that you can keep up with the podcast. Uh, uh, subscribe to our podcast. Listen to them at your convenience. Uh, share them with some friends. And then uh, hopefully um, you'll keep listening to the podcast till we're finished with 1 Corinthians or whenever we start back in person face-to-face, you'll you'll be where we are in our study of 1 Corinthians. So again, thank you for sharing this time. Thank you for your commitment to a serious, um, in-depth study of the Scriptures. God bless you.